At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you eat certain things, you feel sluggish or you're like, ugh, why, do I, why did I eat that? But on a, on a cellular level, on just a, a, the microscopic level, you know, at a blood vessel level, right? The inflammation and the, the, the common denominator and a lot of the chronic diseases that we see um, is inflammation, right? And so a lot of that inflammation is what we're eating and how it's processed. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Dr. Monique May, the physician in the kitchen, is a board-certified family physician who enjoys helping busy households embrace healthy plant-based eating without impacting their hectic schedules. She is a vegan chef, and she is also a two-time best-selling author. Her first cookbook, Doc Fix My Plate, The Physician in the Kitchen's Prescriptions for Your Healthy Meal Makeover, is now available. She's a native New Yorker, but she now lives in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And when she is not busy creating recipes in her kitchen, which she refers to as her lab, she enjoys visiting farmer's markets, shopping for kitchen gadgets, traveling, and exercise. You can follow her at Physician in the Kitchen. This conversation with Dr. May was about her plant-based journey and how she discovered plant-based nutrition, how it affected her life and her health, how she decided to become a plant-based chef, and why she's so passionate about teaching others how to eat and cook plant-based foods. We also learned from her what she sees her clients struggle with the most when transitioning to a plant-based diet and her tips for people transitioning to a plant-based diet. So this is a great episode where you can learn a few little nuggets of information. So I appreciate you being here and listening. Uh, I will apologize. I am recovering from laryngitis and a gnarly cough. So there are times that I, you could tell that I was really wanting to cough, but I was trying to hold it in because having this cough reflex is horrible. And I'm on day 11 and almost better, but not quite. But the show must go on. So sometimes you're going to get me in this condition. Hopefully not very often because I rarely get sick. But this one was a doozy. I'm so glad that I'm not sick all the time. So thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. And I hope that you love it. 
Remember that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment by a healthcare professional. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a healthcare professional. Dr. Monique May, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm super excited to get to know you and hear your story. So let's start out with how you discovered plant-based nutrition. How did you transition to a plant-based diet and how has it affected your life and your health? Sure. Well, long story short, as a family practitioner with 20 years of clinical experience, of course, I saw all types of manifestations of chronic illness from high blood pressure to diabetes, heart disease, cancers, you name it. And of course, those issues affected my own family members. Uh, I lost my beloved grandmother at the age of 67 to complications from a stroke caused by obesity, smoking, high blood pressure. Um, and I have some, you know, some scary family history on both sides. So in 2020, uh, when I turned 50, right around the time I turned 50, I discovered this book called How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. And it really was a game changer for me um, where he, for those who don't know, he takes the top, I think, 15 to 17 causes of death in this country and really like cancers, heart disease, et cetera, and breaks it down with the role that the diet plays um, and really why plant-based is the way to go. And then I also watched some documentaries about how foods are processed, particularly meat, and it's kind of scary. And um, But for me, actually, you know, I wasn't really a big red meat eater, so that wasn't a hard thing to give up. But, you know, turning 50 and at the onset of the pandemic was, you know, I really wanted to do what I could to you know, going to the second half of my century as, as healthy as I could. And so that that's kind of how I got here. And did you discover any health impact in the change that you made and how difficult was it to make the transition for you? So I would say the probably the biggest impact I've seen so far is the effect on my cholesterol. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to take medication. My, my cholesterol was never um, high enough to require medication, but so still all the numbers are still within normal range. But just since adapting the plant-based diet, those numbers have almost halved. It was just amazing <laughs> to see the impact they've had. Um, and I think, you know, overall, I just feel better. I, I just, you know, I had already kind of aged out of eating McDonald's, right? You get to a certain age, you're like, I can't eat that stuff anymore. So um, you just, you want to eat food that makes you feel good, doesn't make you feel guilty or sluggish or blah. And so I really can say that, you know, uh, my diet really does check those boxes. Um, and then as far as was it difficult? Um Really, because I I, could, I refer to my kitchen as my lab, and I also went right around the same time. I went to a I attended a vegan culinary school online, and the purpose of that was to be able to learn more about cooking with you know a plant based pantry, plant based uh, kitchen, and so I like uh, trying to figure out how I can substitute X for Y and uh, what I can create. So. No, it really, it hasn't been um, really challenging for me because I, I enjoy it. I, I like to problem solve that kind of thing and just trying to play with different textures and flavors and so forth. So it's it's been, a that's been a really big, fun part of the journey for me. That's amazing. And I'm glad you brought up the cholesterol issue because in the United States, our cutoff for cholesterol, for total cholesterol in adults is just that it should be under 200. But I think it's about 25% of people that are experiencing heart attacks with a, quote, normal cholesterol, which means 
that a lot of us are probably falsely walking around feeling like, you know, pretty confident that we're fine. Nothing bad's going to happen. But, you know, every individual is a little bit different and there can be improvements made there, even even if it is, quote, within the normal range for our standards. So I think that that's really important to know for a lot of people that not to get overconfident just because you think that your cholesterol is in the, the normal range. Were you still practicing at that time that you transitioned to a plant-based diet or when did you end your, your family practice years? So no, I actually stopped, uh, left clinical practice at the end of 2018. So mm-hmm. I practiced family medicine in all of its facets uh, for 15 years. And that includes, you know, hospital work, nursing home, patient vi- home visits, um, a little bit of everything, you name it. Um, and so I did that for 15 years. And then for five years, I was the medical director of an urgent care uh, workers comp clinic. So I transitioned out of primary care and did for five years. I was, you know, if you got hurt at work, I was a doc you, you came to see. Um, and so when, by the time I went plant-based in 2020, I had been out of clinical practice for just about a year or some change. It seems like once you learned about it, you've become very passionate about it. So tell me where you've taken your newfound knowledge and passion for plant-based nutrition. How are you applying that? Sure. Well, I, in a variety of ways, I have a, a funny story. This is homecoming season for, you know, a lot of colleges and universities. And so a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, at a homecoming and I already knew, I already knew there was, you know, at a tailgate. So, you know, what's at a tailgate, right? All manner of, of you know, animal products. And so I took my own. I, I had a, uh, I made a delicious chickpea tuna salad with some multigrain chips. And I had some, um, uh, a grilled um, tandoori, you know, it's, it's Diwali season. So I got a recipe for um, grilled tandoori chicken and I did it with some tofu and it was t- Shit, I had the grill marks on it. It was beautiful. And I even had my own little dessert. I had some chocolate, vegan chocolate cookies. So everyone's sitting around me eating whatever. And so in fact, the the host of the tent we were at was like, well, you know, maybe next year we can you can you can do something for it, you know, we can get together. So just let me know. Um, so yeah, I as far as how I get the word out, I mean, I started my brand, Physician in the Kitchen. I've I've written a cookbook, Doc Fix My Plate, the Physician in the Kitchen's prescriptions for your healthy meal makeovers. And it's kind of just a how to get started because you know, I, I tell people all the time, nobody wakes up and says, Hey, I want to be unhealthy today. I want to be obese. I wanna, you know, but it's it's kind of the default or it's easy in this country to become unhealthy or to eat unhealthy. So, it, you know, and I certainly didn't learn this stuff in medical school. You know, I graduated med school in 96, right? And so I, I hope it's better now, I, but I don't know as far as like, you know, med school curricula and nutrition, because we used to just write an order, right? If a patient came in with diabetes, consult the dietitian. They come in with heart failure, you know, low salt diet. But we're not, we weren't doing that, you know, here's the type of food that's going to help, well, you know, when the hospital, they've got the disease, but how you can mitigate with a, a you know, anti-inflammatory diet or foods that are high in anti-inflammatories and so forth that will, you know, positively impact your sugars and things like that. So I offer cooking classes, um, coaching. I'm, I'm so excited to be starting a new service called Doc Fix My Pantry. So it's a consultation service where people can via Zoom or, or what have you, um, you know, I kind of peek in their pantry and we can go over, um, you know, what are some staples, some basics that you want to have. 
whether you want to be fully vegan or plant-based or you're just starting to test the waters. But some of the things that are good to have because as you're making these substitutions and you want to recapture the textures and the taste that you, you know, you may be familiar with, um, I'm here to kind of help with that process. So I'm, I'm excited to, to get the word out. I do it on my social media physician in the kitchen as well, whether it's recipes or, you know, my new favorite thing or, or whatever, what have you. So that's how I get my passion for both, you know, cooking and good food and, uh, education, you know, so instead of being one-on-one with patients in the exam room, I'm now able to take that message on a more, uh, much more uh, global or a wider audience. I love that. What do you think is the number one thing that uh, people struggle with when they're wanting to transition to a plant-based diet or even just say, I want to eat more whole plant foods? What do you feel is hardest for most people? From talking to people, I'd say two different things. One is they feel like they either, it's all or nothing. They feel like they kind of have to go plant-based, Oh, you know, cold turkey, no pun intended, Um, but, you know, do it all at once. And they, and they, they sometimes are afraid they're not going to get enough protein. You'd be surprised people like, oh, I'm not going to get enough protein if I eat a plant diet because we've been kind of conditioned in this country that, you know, muscles are made of protein and you, you need to eat your, your meat to get those big muscles. But, you know, what are some of the largest animals on the planet? (laughs) You know, elephants and, and, you know, bison and, you know, whatever else. And they don't eat meat right? They eat grass. And so kind of just overcoming some of those misconceptions or myths that people have um, that they've grown up with. And then just they're they're concerned that they'll have to be in the kitchen all day. Like it's it's hard to implement. Or um, the other thing I find too is reading labels because some of these terms, you know, people think that they see vegan, organic, or low fat, uh, or low sodium on a package. And they mean, they think it means it's completely, oh, you can just eat it. But what they, they don't realize is just because it's labeled vegan doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's good for you, right? Cause it could be processed vegan food. That's not good for you. So getting them to realize the real benefit is going to be in the, the, the whole food plant-based, um, and making just baby steps, you know, really just, it does it's a, it's a marathon. You're not going to get there overnight. If you've been eating a certain way your whole life, um, it's not, you know, necessarily realistic to think you're going to just, you know, flip a switch and everything's going to be all plants and, and there won't be any, any adjustments. So, um, just, you know, sharing with them kind of my process, I started a blog, uh, kind of my, that was channeling or, or excuse me, um, chronicling my, process in my journey and so the recipes that I created with ingredients that I discovered along the way. So it just kind of that transparency that, you know, I'm I'm in this too. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions of what healthy food is in our country because it, you know, things get thrown around and, you know, there's a lot of uh false beliefs. So I'd love to know, especially since you work with people and overhauling their pantries in their kitchen, what is something that's typically found in the American refrigerator or the American pantry that people really think is healthy, but really is not as health promoting as people think? Probably, I'd say snacks. I would say snacks is where people probably get into the bigger uh, amount of trouble, so to speak. Because again, these labels will say organic or um, uh, uh, um, vegan or, well, she says vegan, it, it should 
they're pretty much be vegan, but they may think that organic means healthy. And it doesn't. Organic is just how something is grown without certain pesticides and so forth. So, I mean, because sugar is organic, right? Sugar can be organic. <laughs> so um, I think, and then I think reading labels it's important because when they go out, when they're when they're shopping for snacks or they want to have just you know things in their pantry, um, like you know fruit roll ups. When you hear fruit, you're like, oh, of course that's got to be healthy. But no, because you look at the ingredient list and it's you know chemicals and fruit flavors, uh, which is which you know based on how the FDA has allowed manufacturers to to come up with descriptions, some of these words can be applied, but then you're like, well, what does that really mean? Like low sodium or low salt. Well, if they're taking out salt and fat and sugar, they may be putting something else in. And so to get that flavor. So I would say probably choosing um, healthy, uh, unprocessed snacks, I think would probably be where are the best places to start with as far as kind of overhauling someone's someone's pantry? Yeah, as a pediatrician, I will say that snack foods in the United States uh, is classified as its own food category, which includes the number one snack food in children, which is goldfish crackers. So one thing that I tell parents is snacks don't have to be a separate food category. In fact, most of the time when kids are asking for snacks, what they're asking for is ultra processed foods that are hyper palatable and they're often not actually hungry. They just want the goldfish crackers or the granola bars. So trying to focus more on whole foods and anything can be a snack. Like you can have leftover dinner. You can have leftover lunch for a snack. It doesn't have to be something that came in a box and is hyper palatable. So I agree with you on that one in that we have developed an entire industry around snacking and most of these foods are all ultra processed. And what one of my biggest pet peeves is that people categorize these foods as carbs because, you know, carbs are bad, right? Carbs are the enemy. But if you look at the nutrition facts, most of the time they're at least 30 to 40% fat because in order to make it tasty, just like you yeah. said before, they got to add all the oils in there. They got to add the sugars in there and they got to add a bunch of salts in there. <laughs> I know my husband nearly passed out when he loved after he would go skiing, like he's a big skier here. So he would go skiing all day. And then on the way home, his little treat was a bag of Gardettos, but it wasn't like a tiny bag of Gardettos. It was one that had like four servings in there. And then he would eat the whole thing. Anyway, so he left the the wrapper in there one day and I just picked it up and started reading. It had like almost 1500 milligrams of salt and, you know, like it, 40 grams of fat or something ridiculous. It, it's basically this ultra processed combination of sugar and salt and fat. Um, and then once he found that, he was like, okay, that's it. No more Gardetto. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you just, you just have to know what you're consuming, but it's so normalized that a snack has to be these foods. A snack doesn't have to be those foods. It's just about, you know, retraining your brain and coming up with different habits. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What would you say is your favorite tip 
for people transitioning to a plant-based diet? Where, where do you usually tell them to start? I tell them to identify their why first. And because I think everything starts with, um, with your mindset. Um, if you want to be successful at, at anything, not just your diet or overhauling your lifestyle, you have to have the, the mindset to be successful. So, you know, as physicians, we tell people, yes, you know, your cholesterol is this and your blood pressure is this and you need to do this and you need to do that. But until, you know, and I know you have, you can think of at least one patient from your own clinical experience where you can talk to somebody until they're blue in the face, but until they connect or they identify why it's important, what you're saying, and more so in adults, you, you know, maybe not as much with, with kids, but once they identify why this, you know, what we're saying is important to them, then they're more likely to be successful. Cause you know, they'll otherwise be like, yeah, you know, I went to a doctor today. She was fussing at me again about blah, blah, blah. Um, but until they really identify their why, um, and it, and it, and it should be something, you know, internal, it should be something for them. Do they want to live longer for their kids or for their, you know, they're tired of not being able to sleep and breathe at the same time, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that's, that's a very important part of it. But the other thing is just starting where you are and showing yourself some grace. Because again, you know, if you're trying to undo years of, uh, you know, emotional eating, right? How many, as a pediatrician, I'm sure, how many parents or families well-intentioned use food as a reward, right? You know, oh, if, you know, if you, if you eat over your dinner, you can have dessert or you can, or whatever, you know, you, you did, you got a good report card, let's go get ice cream or what have you, whatever the, the thing is, and that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that becomes like the pervasive pattern, then those associations are going to be made and they can be lifelong. And so as an adult, if you're trying to address or reverse that, um, show yourself some grace, do some work to find out, you know, you know, maybe if it's just journaling or keeping a food diary, you know, when I feel this, you know, I ate this today and I was feeling this or this happened at work or what have you, so that people can start to, kind of put some of those pieces together and, and um, you know, tap into why they're, they're, uh, they're eating some of the things that they're eating. So, and then if, if you're trying to go plant-based, I tell people, you know, pick one day out of the week, pick, pick one meal out of the week, you know, <laughs> and to, to see, to test the waters. Um, because um, you, again, you, you don't want to set yourself up for failure by thinking, oh, okay, I've got to do all this. And then you get overwhelmed and frustrated and you're just like, oh, I just give up and, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. So, and then seeking out, um, I mean, you asked me for one piece, so I'm, I've, I've given you more than one. So let me stop there. No, that's great. That's super helpful information. And, and I agree with everything that you said that it's a journey and it's a process. It's for most people, it's not going to be an overnight easy switch, especially after years and years of following the same habits and eating the same foods. But I definitely agree with the emotional eating part. And I think that one of the reasons the food industry, it's like a vicious cycle. The food industry is sustained because we've all become emotional eaters. You know, we eat to change our feelings. We eat to celebrate. We eat because we're sad. Um, and it's it's very socially accepted and promoted. It's In fact, it seems like the commercials are promoting overeating as like yeah. a thing we should do, you know, like. Um, eat as much as possible, you know, um, which of course benefits the company trying to sell the food, right? So you have to kind of see see through it uh, with those eyes as well. But 
for a lot of people, um, just to know that it doesn't have to be all or nothing is a really good start because that way they can start focusing on what to incorporate into their diets instead of what to take out. Because sometimes if we're just telling them, okay, don't eat this, don't eat, don't eat that. It feels like a punishment and that mm-hmm. anxiety and that stress actually leads to more overeating because you're starting to develop the sense of scarcity. Like, oh my God, I'm never going to eat my favorite foods again. But the amazing thing about plant-based nutrition is you can eat all of your favorite foods. And what I've discovered, you know, I've been plant-based, it'll be almost 13 years. In fact, I like it better. Like it tastes better because it feels better in your body. Like whenever you eat a plant-based pizza or a homemade pizza you make at home, you don't oh. feel like sluggish and weighed down. You feel good. It was delicious flavor, and but it feels good in your body too. So it's good during and it's good after. But sometimes when you have those foods that you know aren't so health-promoting, maybe it tastes good, but by a few minutes or a few hours after, you're just like, that was not a good decision, you know? <laughs> right, right. Especially the older, the older you get. I, I think that's very true. Absolutely. I know that I was read I was looking at some meme somewhere talking about how people in their twenties, they would get hung over from drinking alcohol. But once you get to a certain age, you get hung over just from overeating at dinner. <laughs> you know, like then you, you wake up the next morning, you're like, uh, I'm all puffy. Why do I feel right. so bad? Right. You know, I would say I did a talk on Saturday to some high school seniors or high school students and about the freshman 15. And cause we talked about, we were talking about emotional eating. And, and one of the points I made with them is, um, learning how to listen to your body. I think that's the other thing is we push past, um, those satiety, you know, cues when your body's telling you, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm good. I like I'm, I'm, I'm getting full or I'm full. Um, and either because we've been told we have to clean our plates, um, or we just are afraid, well, you know, it's so good. I'm never going to eat this again. Let me eat all of it. Uh, or eating too large portions, you know, whatever it is we tend to, or sometimes we can kind of blow past those, those, you know, red flashing, so danger or slow down, you know, and then, uh, that can lead to overeating as well. And then you, you lose that sensitivity of, of that mind body connection, which is okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm good. I don't need to, to eat anymore. I'm, I'm satisfied. So I just wanted to throw that in there as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I will add to that too, that dieting or purposely restricting actually interferes with those signals. <laughs> so sometimes it can actually make uh, hyperpalatable food even more interesting and increase our dopamine response to seeing and consuming those foods. And so that's why it's helpful to tune in instead to your body, choose foods that are health promoting and eat to satisfaction rather than purposely trying to restrict your calories because that approach can really, um, you know, mess with your mind and and the way that you um, are, you know, processing food to your mind. So, um, Mm -hmm. but what I wanted to ask you is your decision to become a plant-based chef. um, How did you go about that? And in what ways do you think that it's helped you? Like, were there things from your training that really opened your eyes about certain methods of cooking? Like, was there anything that surprised you or really changed the way that you cooked in that course? 
Yeah. Well, the way I found out about the the plant-based program was actually through a friend of mine who um, is a chef herself and she has has wanted to, she was at the time was becoming more plant-based and she's like, oh, and she lives in a, uh, I'm in North Carolina, she's in Florida. She's like, you know, I found this online program. Let's do this. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Well, unfortunately she was diagnosed with breast cancer um, before she could start. So, um, they got, you know, she's doing well now, but I went ahead and, and took the, the program. Um, and I'm so glad I did because I learned just, I cooked with ingredients I had never used before. And I learned, you know, like aquafaba, like for years, I've been pouring aquafaba down the drain. For those who don't know, aquafaba is that liquid that's in your can of beans, particularly chickpeas. When you open a can of chickpeas, um, that liquid is called aquafaba and it's like liquid gold. Like you can do so much with it. Right. Uh, I've made meringue with it. Like you whip it long enough and it becomes meringue, like, you know, what you use for a little meringue pie. And so just learning different, um, different things, making my own seitan. Like, cause if, cause I remember thinking like, I'm never making seitan. That just looks too hard too you know, I'll just buy it. It is the easiest thing. It really is pretty easy to <laughs> and so uh, it takes a little bit of preparation, but, you know, so does, you know, cooking a turkey for, for, you know, defrosting a turkey and cooking it for, you know, what is it, 30 minutes per pound or whatever the math is. So, you know, if it's, it, it, to me, um, it was just, it was, it was just eye opening and, and fun, you know, making, learning how to bake a cake without eggs and just all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And, and in, in my book, I actually have some recipes from my mother, passed out from my mother and grandmother that I veganized. And last Thanksgiving, I actually made my mom's dressing. Um, of course, it has turkey and eggs and, um, well, not eggs, she has turkey and um, uh, other, um, you know, non-plant-based ingredients in it. And I completely veganized it and I made it. I gave it to my mom and she took a bite and she said, this tastes like Thanksgiving. And it was a hundred percent plant-based. So, you know, just things like that have just been, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to take my own little, you know, little plate of, of food over there. Cause you know, my family, my family is not plant-based, but that's okay. You know, they, they eat some things. If they, they know if I'm making it, it's going to be plant-based. So I don't even tell them till afterwards when the plate is clean. I'm like, yeah, you know, that wasn't me. Right. <laughs> so, you know, they get it, they get it by default. I love it. Yeah. So right now we're recording this on Thanksgiving week. So Thanksgiving is just a few days away. And I have planned 13 recipes to make because I go nuts for Thanksgiving and then I overdo it. Then I get burned out until next Thanksgiving. But, you know, it's okay. <laughs> so for Christmas, all I can do is make cinnamon rolls. I can't make any more meals than that. But I love how you brought up aquafaba. What's really interesting, like I said before, is that a lot of people think to eat plant-based, you have to sacrifice and you have to give up a lot of things. And so they'll ask like, oh, you can eat that plant-based? You can eat pizza and pasta? Yeah, you can eat anything. And in fact, you can make it even more health-promoting and delicious. And so it's really kind of fun to learn all these different methods. And aquafaba really is very magical. You can make uh, even whipped cream out of it, but healthier whipped cream. So it's really cool to learn how to cook with that. And I've also learned how to make seitan. Unfortunately, I'm sensitive to wheat, but it was the best texture of seitan I ever had when I made it myself, for sure. Well, I would love to know, what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew how food truly 
impacts their bodies. Um, I think, like we talked earlier, you know, if you eat certain things, you feel sluggish and you're like, oh, why do I, why did I eat that? But on a, on a cellular level, on just a, a, the microscopic level, you know, at a blood vessel level, right? The inflammation and the, the, the common denominator and a lot of the chronic diseases that we see, um, is inflammation, right? And so a lot of that inflammation is what we're eating and how it's processed. And so I wish more people knew just, you know, what really is in that hamburger they're eating or what's really in that. Cause you know, they think, oh, well, I'm eating chicken. Chicken is fine. Chicken is healthy. But, you know, when you read that the chicken manufacturers, you know, fill that up. There's a saline solution, a salt solution that they use to inject in it to make it way more, right? Because of course you're paying by the pound, so that drives their profits. Um, so you're getting higher salt and you, and you don't, you, may, you don't know that. So then what do you do? You're adding salt when you're cooking it. And so, you know, there's just those things. And then not to mention the antibiotics and the growth hormones and all that. So people think that they're eating healthier because they're eating chicken or they're eating fish, uh, which, but they're not because, you know, the fish is over, you know, it's just, you know, if it's farm raised and it's the same issues with antibiotics and preservatives and things like that. So I just, I wish people really knew more about reading labels and reading and knowing truly what, what they're putting on their plates and how that shows up in their health. And when they go to the doctor's office, what were the things that we measure and monitor? Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. And, you know, it sounds cliche, but inflammation seems to be the foundation of most of our chronic conditions. And I wish a lot more people understood that because it's very unknown what the power of food is. It's so powerful that you change to a whole food plant-based diet. You have to get off diabetes meds because the diet is so powerful that your blood sugars start plummeting and dropping and it can be dangerous. And so um, for people that are on diabetes drugs, they have to be monitored closely. That's how powerful the diet can be, but it can apply to even these things that people don't really associate. We're getting so many autoimmune diseases now. I mean, I feel like all the advertisements on TV are for meds for autoimmune diseases, which means what? The diagnosis is on the rise, you know? So I wish a lot more people knew that what they're putting on their plate three to seven times a day, because on average, we eat like seven times a day in the United States can really make a big difference in how they feel and um, their disease process. Definitely. All right, Dr. Monique May, tell me about the products and services you offer and how we can connect with you. Yes. So you can, first of all, social media, I'm everywhere, even on TikTok at Physician in the Kitchen. So um, that's P-H-Y-S-I-C-I-A-N-N-I-N, the kitchen. Um, but my my new pantry consultation service is, you can find that at Doc Fix My Pantry. So D-O-C fixmypantry.com. Uh, my book, Doc Fix My Plate, is at docfixmyplatebook.com. And um, then you can always just email at info at physicianinthekitchen.net um, for other uh, you know speaking engagements and things like that. But um, I'm I'm just I'm just excited to be able to get the word out there. I have cooking classes as well and that can be found at cookingwithdrmonique.com. So lots of different great options there for you. So the pantry um, evaluations are one-on-one. Correct. 
And then your cooking classes are more like group cooking classes or are those also individual? So they can be group, but they can also be one-on-one. And those can be like an on-demand kind of thing or live, you know, where we just get in the kitchen together via Zoom. So a couple of different options, you know, if you want to just be able to watch it, go back and watch it on your own time, that's an option as well. Uh, but I, I prefer the live because that way I can address, and you know, the questions that people have inevitably, you know, invariably there are questions. Um, so I, I like the live kind of interaction, but you know, there can be... Um, I've done group classes and the one-on-one as well. Great. Now, you also have a product besides your books though, right? Yes. Don't you have a Worcester sauce? I do. I do. And I, I had the bottle here, but yes, uh, vegan Worcester sauce. This has been a, a labor of love. And so pop quiz, you know, for those listening, why is Worcester sauce or W sauce? That's how I'm branding it. Cause you know, most people don't like to say Worcester. Um, but why is Worcester sauce not vegan? So I know, you know, right. Mm. So, uh, so for your listeners, it's not vegan because it has anchovies in it. And so, uh, honestly, when people ask me, why did, you know, how did this even, why was this even in your brain? And, um, I used to do this, this show, we did this segment called vegan or not. And I started with just some condiments in my refrigerator and one of them was Worcestershire sauce. And so I looked at the label and the ingredients of a leading brand and I, I took a picture of it and I came, went home to my kitchen and, and my, which I call my lab, as I mentioned earlier, and I literally whipped up my own um, my own recipe using miso, which is a soy product, um, instead of the, the anchovies. So my product is lower in sodium and lower in, lower in sugar than the leading brands. And also, even for people who are not vegan, but have seafood or fish sensitivities, uh, like if you ever have known anyone to react or itch when they eat Caesar salads, same thing, anchovies are in Caesar salad dressing. So this is a, a good product, um, you know, for them as well. So, and it's, it's delicious. It's, it's savory, it's sweet, it's tangy. And um, it's, it's a nice uh, condiment. To, I tell people it's the best condiment that you're not using, the best sauce you're not using, but you need to be. So, <laughs> well, and it's a part of a lot of different um, recipes and different salad yeah. dressings you can make. So it's really nice condiment to have in your kitchen. Well, that's really exactly. creative and that's really cool that you, you thought to do that. So kudos Thank on you. that. That's at veganwsauce.com if to order a okay. bottle of that. Okay, perfect. I know that you sometimes will go to shows and things, probably just in your local area to promote it as well, right? To sell it in person. Starting to get to that because it, it's a process. And so uh, because it's an acidified uh, product, there's certain things I have to, you know, safety wise. So worked out all those kinks. And so, yeah, getting um, getting it out there and sampling and so forth is, is the next step. Awesome. Well, Dr. Monique May, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I'm really grateful for you and how you're spreading the message of plant-based nutrition for everybody around you and helping them cook delicious foods. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for being on the show today. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you. And thank you for your work as well. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.